Okay, Joshua chapter 21. Joshua 21 is devoted to the Levites and to their cities. Now, we, we mentioned in the beginning of this section from Joshua 13 through 21 that not all tribes were given equal attention. And we stressed that the tribes that received the most attention are Judah and Levi. Judah and Levi. And you see Judah was dealt with in 63 verses in Joshua 15. And now Levi is dealt with here in 42 verses. So these tribes must play a pivotal role in the history of the people of God. The same thing that is reflected in the book of Joshua is reflected in the book of Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 2, beginning around verse 3 to 4, verse 23, focuses on Judah. 1 Chronicles 6 focuses on Levi. 1 Chronicles 6 has 81 verses. So you see, they're not given, all the tribes are not given equal space. And these tribes played a fundamental role. Judah will be the tribe from which the priest comes. Levi will be the Judah will be the tribe from which the king comes. Did I say that right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, somebody wasn't praying for my ready recollection. Right? <laughs> but, but Judah is the tribe from which the king comes. Levi is the tribe from which the priest comes. So, and those offices of king and priest are combined. Lest you forget, do you remember that Aaron's wife back in Exodus chapter 6, Aaron's wife was a prominent member of the tribe of Judah. So, even from the beginning, there's a combination of Judah and Levi. Now, some of the um, questions, one of the questions that Paul asked, a good question, I would have asked too, but it can be dealt with quickly. How many cities did Levi have? 48. 48 cities, and we'll see the distribution of them in this chapter. Now, a very good question too was, what was one of the reasons, I forget exactly how you how you wrote it here, Paul. What was one of the reasons, what passage talks about Israel or Levites being scattered like this? I don't know if I asked that exactly right. What, what's, what's he talking about? There? What's he talking about? Genesis 49. Okay, Genesis 49. Let's look over there. Genesis 49. Genesis 49, as Jacob is pronouncing his final blessing. Genesis 49, verses 5 through 7. Simeon and Levi will be mentioned together. Uh, Amanda, do you have that if you want to read those verses? Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. We'll get through verse 7. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 
Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Okay. Okay. And particularly the phrase, the last two phrases. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Would you call that, when he pronounces that you're going to be dispersed, you're going to be scattered, would you consider that, in that passage, a blessing or a judgment? A judgment. Sounds clearly to me, in this particular case, like this is a judgment. However, there is also a blessing in the fact that often it is stated, the first time I think it is stated, is Numbers 18 verse 20. In Numbers 18 verse 20, it is stated that this tribe will not be given an inheritance, but the Lord will be their portion. The Lord will be their inheritance. That is an idea that is repeated frequently, but I think it's stated first there. Um, who has that would want to read it? Uh, Numbers 18 and verse 20, Brad. The Lord said to Aaron, You will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. Okay, very good. I am your share. I am your inheritance. Now, the same kind of thing is going to be said if you look down at this chapter, throughout this chapter, you're going to see the same thing in 18 verse 21, 18 verse 22, uh, excuse me, 23, 24, 26. All of them state that the Lord would be their inheritance. Now, so, so there is a curse in this, there is a judgment in this, there is a blessing in this as well. How is it, what deed did the Levites do that led them to be set apart as priests? Sarah? So Dinah went out, her sister Dinah went out and ended up, she was raped then the prince of Shechem said, hey, I'd really like to marry her. And Levi and Simeon said, well, you've got to be circumcised, you and all the men of your city. Okay. And so they're like, oh, no problem, we'll do yes. this. And whenever they were still recovering, Levi and Simeon went in and slaughtered everybody. Okay, you slaughtered all of them in Shechem. Okay, that is a very good answer. And Sarah, when you, until you started that, I didn't realize... I was meaning to tell that a moment ago, and I didn't. And I apologize that I didn't. Uh, but that, what Sarah said, is tied with these verses. Tied with being scattered because of how uh, they... Uh, I can't find the marker that writes well from this. I apologize, I keep shifting. Okay, there it is. Um, that... Um, that's the re that ties Genesis 34 is what Sarah just told. That ties with Genesis 
chapter 49. Uh, That is why the judgment is pronounced. The priesthood, though, is compared... Look at Exodus 32. Exodus 32. This was the sin of the golden calf. And in Exodus 32, verse 25... Moses has questioned Aaron. Aaron stated, uh, I just threw in the gold and out popped this golden calf. But Moses in verse 25, when Moses saw the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh, go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp, kill every man his brother, and every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Dedicate yourselves today to the Lord. For every man has been against his son and against his brother in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you today. So the sin, as Sarah points out, Genesis 34 is killing the men of Shechem because of the rape of Dinah, their sister. Uh, the blessing that comes upon the tribe is tied to their boldness at the incident of the golden calf. How they were willing to stand. Now one of the passages too that I told you to remember when we deal with these various tribes beside Jacob's blessing is Moses has a similar kind of blessing. Look at Deuteronomy 33. Moses' blessing leaves us with a much different feeling than Jacob's blessing does. Jacob's blessing, it's more of a judgment. But, but, but in the blessing of Moses, it's, it's different. In Deuteronomy 33, beginning with verse 8, he he speaks to these various tribes. He says, Of Levi, he said, Let your thumbing and your urine belong to your godly man, whom you proved at Massa, with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who said to his father and to his mother, I did not consider them. And he did not acknowledge his brothers, nor did he regard his own sons, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach, these are responsibilities of Levi, they shall teach your ordinances to Jacob and your law to Israel. They shall put incense before you and hold burnt offerings on your altar. O Lord, bless his substance and accept the work of his hands and shatter the loins of those who rise up against him and those who hate him so that they may not rise again. This goes back to Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 goes back to Exodus 32. How they were willing to stand even against closest Family members in this particular case who said of father and mother, I did not consider them. He did not acknowledge his brothers. They stand and because of their stand, 
the curse is kind of reverted into a blessing in this passage. So this is why um, Levi is going to play such a fundamental role in the history of the people of God. Now, as an introduction, what have I left out that's significant? What should I have said there? What do you have questions about? One of the things that Paul did was also divide up the family of Levi. Who are the three sons of Levi? Kohath. Okay. Kohath. Gershon and Morari. Uh, Gershon, Kohath, and uh, Morari. Now, they are going to be mentioned here in 21. By the way, you, you read of these various, you see them. And the number of people who all went down to Egypt in Genesis 46.11. You see those names. Exodus 6 gives a brief genealogy of these tribes in Exodus 6, verses 16 through about verse 19. And then right after that, it talks about Aaron um, marrying into the family of Judah. Numbers 4 is key. Because Numbers 4 talks about what these various parts of the family carried as they traveled from place to place when they moved the tabernacle. All these tribes, had, all these parts of the family of Levi had a part in moving the tabernacle of the Lord. But let's read verses 1 through 8. And uh, let's just, we'll see the family of Kohath divided in a couple of portions. But, but let's just read it. In verse 1, the heads of the households of Levi approached Eliezer the priest and Joshua the son of Nun. And the heads of the households of the tribes of the sons of Israel, they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to live in with their pasture lands for our cattle. So the sons of Israel gave Levites for their inheritance. These cities with their pasture lands according to the command of the Lord. Then the lot came out from the family of the Kohathites and the sons of Aaron the priests who were of the Levites. They received 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of the Simeonites, and from the tribe of Benjamin. The rest of the sons of Kohath received 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, from the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the sons of Gershon received 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar, and from the tribe of Asher, and from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the tribe of Manasseh in Bashan. 
The sons of Merari, according to their families, received 12 cities from the tribes of Reuben, from the tribes of Gad, from the tribes of Zebulun. The tribe of Zebulun. The sons of Israel gave by lot to the Levites these cities with their pasture lands as though as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Now, tying this with Joshua 20, which, which Paul taught a couple of weeks ago, Joshua 20 shows us that Israel was given six cities of refuge, weren't they? Six cities of refuge. Three of them on this side of the river and three of them on this side of the river. One in the south, uh, both had, had uh, cities in the central portion of the land and then one in the more northern portion of the land. I, I don't know if the mount came like this or someone has added these, but each of the cities of refuge on this map have a little red around that black dot so you can easily pick out those cities of refuge. Those were six of the Levitical cities. Those six cities of refuge were six of their 48 cities. So this ties Joshua 20. That's why Joshua 21 in the description of the Levites comes after the cities of refuge in Joshua chapter uh, 20. But here in, in verse 4, the sons of Kohath, there are the sons of Kohath that are priests. And they are given 13 cities in Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin. And then next, and that is 21 verse 4. 21 verse 4. The priests, the sons of Kohath, are given these 13 cities. Now in verse 5, the sons of Kohath that were not priests, they are given 10 cities in the land of Ephraim, Dan, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In this area, they are given 10 cities. Um, I don't mean to be too obvious. But remember in math you had the set and subset. The bigger set, Levites or priests? Levites. Levites. Okay, wait, wait. Yes, Levites, yes. That's right. <laughs> I forgot my own question. <laughs> the bigger subset is the Levites. That's the bigger set. The smaller set is the priests. All priests were Levites. But not all Levites were priests. Now that's obvious. And many of us have heard that for a long time. But... Uh, that is simply stating that. Now Gershon in 10 verse, um, they are given 13 cities. They are given 13 cities in 21 verse 6. Marari is given 12 cities in 21 7. So it's all neatly laid out. The cities of Gershon are in Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, 
and the other Manasseh, Manasseh across the river, and Merari's cities are in Reuben, Gad, and Zebulun. So all of this simply stated right here in the text. What the text is going to do is to tell us what cities were first given to the priest, then to the sons of Kohath that were not priests, then Gershon, then, then Merari. Now, what we want to do too, and I want to ask you about, is to mention like cities, notice cities that you can remember for some event and um, th that are just mentioned here in passing and uh, we'll try to recall that event. Any questions on the first eight verses? Anything right there? Okay, beginning with verse 9. Did you have something? Sorry, speaking to Madison. <laughs> okay, okay. Verse, verse uh, 9. They gave these cities, which are here mentioned by name, from the tribe of the sons of Judah, and from the tribe of the sons of Simeon, and they were for the sons of Aaron, one of the families of the Kohathites, of the sons of Levi, for the lot was theirs first. Thus they gave them Kariath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah with its surrounding pasture lands. For the fields of the city and the villages they gave to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, as a possession. So the sons of Aaron, the priests, they gave Hebron, or Hebron, the city of refuge for the manslayer with its pasture lands, Libna with its pasture lands, Jatir with its pasture lands, Eshtemoa with its pasture lands, Holon with its pasture lands, Deber with its pasture lands, Ai with its pasture lands, uh, Judah with its pasture lands, Beshemesh with its pasture lands, nine cities from these two tribes, nine cities from Judah and Simeon. In verse 17, from the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with its pasture lands, Geba with its pasture lands, Anathoth with its pasture lands, and Almon with its pasture lands. Four cities. Now, it mentions Hebron or Hebron specifically, verse 11, verse 13, and verse 13 calls attention to the fact that it was a city of refuge. Now, Paul may have been over with you some things about that, about the city of refuge, but what are some big events that happened at Hebron, Hebron? Okay, David is crowned king there in 2 Samuel 2. And remember how long he reigned there? Seven, seven and a half years according to, I believe it's seven and a half, uh, according to 2 Samuel 5, verses 4 and 5. Now, I'll tell you something else that's significant. Look, look back to Joshua 20. Look back to Joshua 20 and verse 4. And the Bible is talking about this process of the manslayer and the cities of refuge. And the one who takes a life in verse 4, he shall flee to one of these cities shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and stay his case 
in the hearing of the elders of the city, and they shall take him in the city to them and give him a place so that he may dwell among them. This is assuming that they listen to his case. He is considered innocent of murder. They take him into the city. But he pleads his case at the entrance to the gate of the city. Levites are placed here. They will be special judges in these particular matters. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 3. 2 Samuel chapter 3. Who was David's military commander? Joab. Who had Saul's military commander been? Abner. Abner gets into a dispute with Ishbosheth, Saul's son. He says, I'm going to defect to David. And he goes and meets with David. Joab hears about it. He's not very excited about that. He goes out. He pursues Abner. Look at 2 Samuel 3.27. When Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the middle of the gate. He's in Hebron, a city of refuge. He's in the middle of the gate where the people pleaded their case. He took him to the middle of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he struck him in the belly so that he died on the count of his brother, on the count of the blood of Asiel, his brother. Verse 30 tells us that Joab's brother, Abishai, was also involved in this plot to kill Abner. But I want you to think about this. First of all, the biblical text had told the story of the death of Asahel in 2 Samuel 2. And Abner was not to blame. You remember that Asahel kept running after Abner. And Abner says, listen, don't follow me. If you follow me, I'm going to have to kill you. And how can I face your brother as a result of that? You go fight with somebody else. Don't fight with me. Asahel couldn't... Couldn't stop. He just had to keep running after Abner. That's who he wanted to kill. And Abner simply, when he comes running by, he's fast as a gazelle. But he comes running by and Abner simply sticks out his sword and he runs into it and he's killed. Abner's not viewed as guilty in that. But Joab and Abishai kill Abner for his part and they're the murder, they say, of their brother. But it wasn't a murder. But also, it's, isn't it ironic that it's right at the gate of a city of refuge where he's killed? And it's striking. Okay. Now, back in Joshua 21. What other cities stood out in that list. What other city stood out? Libna does, but I don't remember why. What does? Libna. Libna. Yes. It does stand out to me too, Sarah, but I can't exactly say why either. It, it um, We'll have to look that one up, okay? Um, one that was particularly, because, because I, I know that I should be remembering something about Libna. But look at 2116. Beth 
Shemesh, which in Hebrew would mean house of the sun. House of the sun. This is a priestly city. Where we encounter this is after the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant in battle and wherever they go, the hand of the Lord is against them and they are being struck with plagues. They send the Ark back and the Ark comes to the city of Beshemesh while the men are out in the fields. And they see the ark coming back and there is rejoicing and there is celebration. Remember all of that? Now, it's a priestly city. A priestly city that receives back the ark of the covenant. Let's look over in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and let's see what happened. Uh, after they uh, brought the ark of the covenant, it says that they uh, offered the cows as a burnt offering that were um, that brought back the ark. But in verse 19, in verse 19, he struck down some of the men of Beshemesh because they looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck down all the people, and there is a variation in what your text has. It's the number. Some have 70, some have 50,000 and 70. But it says the people mourned because the Lord struck the people with a great slaughter. The men of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand before this, the Lord, this holy God, and to whom shall he go up from us? Now, what I'm trying to express is this. This is a city not just of the Levites. This is a city of the priests. If anybody should have known to treat the ark of God with reverence, profound reverence, it should have been this priestly city. The ark has struck the Philistines by God's hand. He struck the Philistines because of their mistreatment of the ark. But now these men look into the ark and they're struck too. This priestly city doesn't do a whole lot better with the ark than the Philistines did. They should have known better. Joshua 21, their inclusion in these lists of priestly cities is a statement. They should have known better than that. But you see, and I, the question, who can stand before this holy God? One of the key questions of the Bible. But it gets worse than that. 2117, one of the priestly cities is Gibeon. In Benjamin. That is the city where they said to the man, bring these visitors up, bring these men out that we may know them, have sexual relations with them. And then after that in Joshua 19, when they he defends the men, the, the Levite pushes his concubine out to the group 
And they rape her all night long and kill her. That is a priestly city that that happens in. The people who are supposed to be shining lights to all of the land are raping men and women visitors. That's incredible. Verse 18. And when Christy was telling me last night, class, she wasn't able to see some of the board in the back. Let me. Um, what do you know about Anathoth? What do you know about Anathoth? That's where Jeremiah was from. Jeremiah City, yes. And you see it in Jeremiah 1 1. And particularly, you see it also a lot in 11. There's a plot against him. I believe it's verse 21 and 23. And then in chapter 32, this is where he purchases a piece of land from Anathoth. Uh, it's mentioned, I believe, in verse 7, verse 8, verse 9 of that passage. So, Anathos is mentioned there. And that's, that's a very good observation, Sarah. Do you remember another priest associated with Anathos? First Kings, look at First Kings 2, 26 and 27. Remember, Abiathar had been a priest in the time of David. But he supported Adonijah instead of Solomon as king. And because he did, he's going to be removed from his office. Who, who has 1 Kings 2, 26 and 27? Someone has it, just read that. Then to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli and Shiloh. Okay, very good. Thank you. Now, I, I don't know if any of this conjecture is completely necessary, but some have stated, oh, the reason Jeremiah preaches so strong against the temple is because the descendants of Abiathar were really angry. They'd been excluded from the Jerusalem temple, and uh, so that's why Jeremiah's preaching against it. No, uh, maybe because the Lord revealed to him that that's what he should preach is the reason, but... I would also say that if, if it's true, Jeremiah is a descendant of his, um, and, and isn't it strange that one of these who was dismissed from the priesthood has a descendant who is stronger preaching the purpose of the temple than the other priest who served there regularly? Uh, I just think that's interesting because Jeremiah preached because of your sin in this place. God is going to destroy it. Now, those, those are probably the cities that we 
The cities that belong to Judah, to, to, to Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin are really the ones that we know most about. Many of the other cities we don't know a great deal about that, that are given to these other places, people. But any, any questions you've got right there? What we just did, by the way, in um, 21, 21 verses 9 through 19 expanded on, it expanded on 21 4. And it talked about the 13 cities given to the priest. Now, verses. 20 through 26 expand on 21.5 and they deal with the 10 cities given the rest of Kohath. Twenty one. Verses 27 through 33 expand on 21.6 and talk about the cities given to Gershon. The 13 cities given to Gershon, while 21 verses 34 through 40 deal with, they expand on 21.7 and talk about the 12 cities given to Merari. Um, let's read as much of this as we can. If you have a question about a particular city, we can ask it. There's a couple I want to ask questions about, but, but let's just go ahead and begin reading. 20 through 26, Kohath. The cities from the tribe of Ephraim were allotted to the family of the sons of Kohath, the Levites, even to the rest of the sons of Kohath. They gave them Shechem, the city of refuge for the manslayer, with its pasture lands, and the hill country of Ephraim, and Gezer with its pasture lands. And Kibzaim, Zim, with its pasture lands, and Beth Horan, with its pasture lands, four cities from the tribe of Dan, Eltaki, with its pasture lands, and Gibbethon, with its pasture lands, Ahijalon, with its pasture lands, Gathrimon, with its pasture lands, four cities from the half tribe of Manasseh, they allotted Taanaka, with its pasture lands, and Gathrimon, with its pasture lands, two cities, all the cities. Uh, with their pasture lands for the families of the rest of the sons of Kohath were ten. Now the thirteen cities given to Gershon, verse 27. To the sons of Gershon, one of the families of the Levites from the half-tribe of Manasseh, they gave Golan and Bashan, the city of refuge for the manslayer with its pasture lands, and Be'esh Terah with its pasture land, two cities. From the tribe of Issachar, they gave Kishion with its pasture lands, Dabaroth with its pasture lands, Jarmuth with its pasture lands, En-Ganim with its pasture lands, four cities. 
From the tribe of Asher, they gave Mishael with his pasture lands, and Abdon with his pasture lands, Helkath with its pasture land, Rehob with its pasture lands, four cities. For the tribe of Naphtali, they gave Kedish and Galilee, a city of refuge for the manslayer with its pasture lands, and Hamath Dor with its pasture lands, and Cartan with its pasture lands, three cities. All the cities of the Gershonites, according to their families, with thirteen cities with their pasture lands. To the families of the sons of Merari, the rest of the Levites, they gave the tribe of Zebulun, Jotniel with its pasture lands, and Karta with its pasture lands, Dibna with its pasture lands, Nahala with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Reuben, Bezer with its pasture lands. Bezer, it, Bezer was a city of refuge, but it is the only one, I think, in this section, when it comes to it, it doesn't single it out as a city of refuge. It just kind of mentions it in passing in verse 37. From the tribe of Reuben, they gave Bezer with its pasture lands, Jahaz with its pasture lands, Kadamoth with its pasture lands, and Meth- Mephathah with its pasture lands, four cities. From the tribe of Gad, they gave Ramoth and Gilead, the city of refuge for the manslayer, with its pasture lands, Mahanaim with its pasture lands, Heshbon with its pasture lands, Jazer with its pasture lands, four cities. All these were the cities of the sons of Merari, according to their families, the rest of the families of the Levites, and their lot was twelve cities. All the cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the sons of Israel were forty-eight cities with their pasture lands. The cities each had its surrounding pasture lands. Thus it was with all these cities. Now, do any of those cities strike your attention as something that we you remember hearing about that we need to say more about? Any of them? Shechem rings a bell. I'm trying to figure out why. What's that? Shechem. Okay, a lot of the things about Shechem we've we've already seen. You know the covenant there and stuff uh, in Joshua chapter eight. But it is it is an important city. Uh, in the land, yes. Yeah. I was thinking Samuel, but no, Samuel was in Shiloh. Yes, yes, the house of God was in Shiloh in, in that particular time. One of the cities that captures my attention in this list is in verse 38, where he mentions the city of May. Mahanaim. Mahanaim. Now, that is on the other side of the Jordan. It's located, in this map, it's located right here in the territory of Gad. A couple of things happen here that that are significant. And they're both in the period that we describe as the United Kingdom. Remember, after Saul dies, there is an attempt to establish... Isbosheth, the son of Saul, on the throne. Mahanaim is his capital. 2 Samuel 2 and verse 8. So his capital is actually on the other side of the Jordan. Now, not only do we find that, but also when David is fleeing from Absalom in 2 Samuel 17, 
I believe it's verse 27, 2 Samuel 17, verse 27, that David makes this his temporary capital as well. So there must have been something about this city that made it good in those circumstances, that made it good as a a temporary or a capital or a temporary capital as these men were using the city. Must must have had some characteristics that were good about this. But in all 48 cities given to the Levites. 48 cities. So Joshua 21, Joshua 13 through Joshua 21 has told us about these tribes being given their allotments and Levite given their cities. And, and of course, by the way, all the tribes have somebody from Levi living in them. And I think that was an attempt that the Levite should have been light and should have been helpful to the spiritual condition of the people. Did that always happen? No. But let's see the summary And we may not have time to talk about this extensively. We may have to pick up here on uh, Sunday. But in verses 43-45, The Lord gave Israel all the land which He had sworn to give to their fathers. And they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them the rest on every side, according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. And not one of all their enemies stood before them, The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. So all God's words are true. All God's words came true. Joshua 13 verse 24 is going to say the same kind of thing. Joshua 13 verse 24. Joshua, I'm, I'm, I'm transposing my numbers. Joshua 23.14 23.14 Behold, today I am going the way of all the earth, Joshua said. And you know in all your heart and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. So God kept His promises. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He kept his promises to their fathers. He gave them rest. That has been a key idea in this book. I only mentioned a few times, but from Joshua 1.13, the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh were told to go fight for their brothers until the Lord gives you rest. And the Lord has given them rest. They possessed the land. And the Bible says that none of their enemies stood before them. God said in Joshua 1.5, none of your enemies will stand. Then when they commit the sin of Achan, He said, you're not going to be able to stand before them. Then, once again, when they get that right, your enemy will not be able to stand before you. Joshua 10 in verse 8. Not one of the good promises of God failed. Um, what thoughts do you all have or questions right there? Anything on that? 
I know this has not been an easy chapter tonight, nor an easy section of Joshua 13 through 21. But I want to tell you one thing that I have loved about this is because a lot of times, and I've told over this, don't tell you how many times, most of this, though, simply in broad surveys that I know a survey can make it easy when you don't have easy points to make in the text, but there's a value in going through it in a slower pace and going step by step and seeing what the Lord says about these tribes and it says about these cities. Because the story of 1 Samuel 6 has more meaning because we know that Bethshemesh is a priestly city. The story of Judges 21 through 19 through 21 has more meaning because we know that was to be a priestly city. And so all the Bible's an interconnected book. And the more you know about one part, the more it can lead you to know about the book as a whole. Thank you.